Maintaining his sense of humor during these stressful months, Bauer quipped that the revolutionary Arnold Rouge might be more pious with the souls of the public and in this way obtain some free negative publicity from local conservative newspapers, evidently to stir up support for his liberal lectures among this large and free-thinking following. During these times, Prussia exhibited a curious mixture of liberal ideas and orthodox fears. So, maintaining a liberal theology was potentially a dangerous proposition that drove not a few young thinkers to sarcasm. Nevertheless, Bauer was unwavering in his liberal convictions about theology, and even though he might be treated as a brazen atheist by the more orthodox professors of the day. Bauer hoped to continue in the footsteps of Hegel. Hegel is a mentor who taught that the miracles of the Bible were literary devices, providing legends for the uncultivated and the spiritual content of the Bible transcended this immature aspect, and that the virtue of Jesus was in his word and his self-consciousness. This is neither orthodox nor atheist, so Hegel and Bauer were not easy to classify. Nevertheless, for the new Orthodox government of 1842, the classification was made. Hegelianism was a type of heresy. Bauer's hopes were dashed against the rocks, and now he was understandably bitter. In 1843, he wrote the present publication, Christianity Exposed. Page XIV, that's 14 small letters. If the blow from the right wing was devastating, the subsequent blow to Hegel studies from the left wing was no less so. Hegel's theology prompted many critics following Strauss, Feuerbach, and Marx to associate Hegel with traditional orthodoxy and the reactionary. Others had found Hegel's theologies to be liberal enough to associate with pantheism, materialism, and atheism. So, obviously, the issues were more complex than Hegel's contemporaries could sort out. Hegel had rejected all those labels for himself. Confusion over his theology persisted after his death and seemed to justify the split of Hegelians into left-wing and right-wing factions. His concept of universal mind subsumed even mysticism under a nationalist, or excuse me, under a rationalist Christian theology. But a skeptical Skeptical epoch prohibited all such talk, whether from Hegel or from Bruno Bauer.
heading, bold, the attack from the left. There are few narratives on the life of Bauer available to the English reader. The available accounts from William Brazil, B-R-A-Z-I-L-L, Zvi Rosen, Z-V-I-R-O-S-E-N, Carl Lowith, David McClellan, tend to be brief and tend to subsume Bauer under the fame of the young Hegelians, mainly Strauss, Fairbach, and Marx. The emphasis on left Hegelianism is these histories, in these histories, rarely does justice to Bauer, who joined neither the right nor the left, although he is often portrayed as supporting originally the right and later the left. This implies that Bauer was indecisive, but we can just as easily argue that he was misunderstood in the same manner that Hegel was misunderstood, since the literature about Hegel has never agreed whether he was a Christian or an atheist. The confusion about Bauer began when David Strauss misrepresented him as largely orthodox and increased when the government misrepresented him as an atheist. After the ban on his lectures, Bauer spent considerable time with the young Hegelians and engaged in several discussions with them about atheism and New Testament criticism. He befriended Marx between 1840 and 1842 when even Frederick Engels, page 15, tried his hand at a historical criticism of the New Testament. Bauer allegedly considered collaborating with Marx and Fairbach once, but that never materialized. Ultimately, the left wing found it difficult to classify Bauer. He was either right or left. But this was an epoch in which one-sidedness was often regarded as a virtue. So Bauer became increasingly irrelevant. We rightly question the tendency to consider Christianity exposed as part of a left Hegelian movement associated with Marxism, left Hegelians neglected Hegel's basic admonitions to eschew one-sidedness. In, in 1828, Hegel dismissed with silence Ludwig Ferber's Ferbach's thesis that theology could be reduced to anthropology. Max Steimer, a young Hegelian turned radical egoist, ceased referring to Hegel altogether. Karl Marx dismissed religion totally as he appealed to a reading public of Enlightenment skeptics in a budding socialist movement. In 1848, he admitted that his dialectic was the opposite of Hegel's, and he boasted he would, quote, turn Hegel on his head, unquote. Despite all this, Hegel's thought became associated in the popular imagination with the left wing in general and Marxism in particular.
affecting Hegel's studies for generations. Bauer's response toward Feuerbach was largely like Hegel's silence. In the book entitled The German Ideology, 1846, Marx charged Bauer with deriving practice from the idea in a one-sided manner, such as all the products of consciousness can be explained by a critical self-consciousness isolated from the sum of productive forces. Marx believed that both Hegel and Bauer placed ideas above material reality. So, to stand Hegel on his head, Marx proposed exactly the opposite. He placed economic and historical materialism above ideas. He placed economic practice above theory. Actually, for both Hegel and Bauer, self-conscious spirit is a synthesis of all opposites, and they avoided one-sided formulations. Nevertheless, Marx referred to Bauer as a theological critic and critical theologian as, quote, Saint Bruno, unquote, and charged him with failing to recognize that self-consciousness must be explained Page 16, only by material conditions. Zvi Rosen found it difficult to explain how Marx, who had openly praised Bauer as late as 1844, felt it necessary to detract from him in 1846 in what amounts to hundreds of pages of polemic. Yet in the same year, Henri Rouge concluded that Bauer was the ultimate theologian, a total heretic who pursued theology with theological fanaticism. For Rouge and his radical contemporaries, Bauer was never truly an atheist, but a speculative philosopher with a speculative theology. Bauer did not let this lapse into unpopularity phase him. He continued to write New Testament criticisms into the 1850s, and in the 1860s wrote on a number of political topics. In the 1870s, Bauer once again turned his attention to biblical analysis with surprising results. It seemed Bauer was willing to abandon Christendom in its simple-minded varieties and that he was willing to embrace atheism if that could save Europe from the folly of a Christianity established upon a government enforcement of questionable dogma. Christianity was sick, according to Bruno Bauer, and it was time for a cure. Heading Bold Bauer's Books in English I am delighted to present the first English translation of Bruno Bauer's banned book, Christianity Exposed. Bauer was a prolific writer who wrote dozens of scholarly books, but this is only one of three books by Bauer translated into English. The other two were translated within the past decade or so. For over a century, scholars have been unwillingly have been unwilling to translate into English the major works of this influential intellectual. His sardonic comedy 
entitled The Trumpet of the Last Judgment Against Hegel and the Atheist and Antichrist, 1841, was the first of his books to be translated into English by an authority on young Hegelian literature, Dr. Lawrence Stepovich, S-T-E-P-E-L-E-V-I-C-H, 1989, Edwin Mellon Press. This scholarly translation by Dr. Stepovich vividly exhibits page 17. Bauer's witty writing style and is an important first step in uncovering for the English reader this nearly lost yet remarkable intellect. The Trumpet was written in collaboration with Karl Marx Rosen and was originally published pseudonymously pseudonymously, using the pen name of a Lutheran bishop with the manifest intention to lampoon Lutheran clergymen in the eyes of Prussian intellectuals. Unfortunately, this lampoon is portrayed to us too frequently as Bruno Bauer's serious writing. Bauer, indebted to Hegel, clearly intended the trumpet to be a comedy with a political motif, although it is often cited as a thinly concealed criticism of Hegel by those who followed David Strauss and portrayed the early Bauer on the far right. The only other book by Bauer translated into English is the book entitled Christ and the Caesars, 1877, translated by Dr. Frank E. Schacht, S-C-H-A-C-H-T, in 1998. That translation is beset with problems, partly because it was commissioned outside the academic system in order to be hastily drafted into the service of, quote, it was Bezo, unquote, conspiracy enthusiast who claimed that Calpurnius Bezo and his family wrote the New Testament as a hoax. Bauer has nothing to do with such inaccuracy, but Christ and the Caesars does demonstrate, citing chapter and verse, that the New Testament text imitate material phrases and key words from Seneca and Philo, Milo, as well as ideas from Josephus, Marcus Aurelius, Alexandrian Gnostics, and others. Bauer proposed that key words used by Seneca, 40 AD, were widely imitated by the New Testament writers, 70 AD, and he demonstrated this with a rigorous analysis of dozens of textual examples. Frederick Engels found Christ and the Caesars to be Bauer's best work because in this work, Bauer looked carefully beyond Jewish and Alexandrian historical elements towards purely Greek and Roman elements to discover a secular source of the universality that was so plainly characterized that so plainly characterized the ideals of Christianity. As Engels reviewed Bauer's work, he did not seem to notice that this same trend in page number 18, 
theological interpretation was already prefigured by Hegel, the speculative Christian. Nevertheless, Bauer's detailed comparison of the epistles of Seneca, the Stoic, with the epistles of St. Paul as an astonishing part of this book, a century before the superb writings of Elaine Pagels illuminated the Gnostic elements in the writings of St. Paul, Bauer anticipated the same theme along with many other same proof texts. Heading in bold, the present volume. Finally, we arrive at the present volume, the third book by Bruno Bauer, to be translated into English. I chose to present an edition of this book into English to the reader, English reader, not because it's among the most important books of Bauer's career, but because it is among the most cited, the most misunderstood, the shortest, and the simplest to convey. It is a small step, but nevertheless, a step forward in the project to translate Bauer's work into English. The edition translated here is most recently presented to the German reader in 1927 by Ernst Barnacol, a theologian and expert on Bruno Bauer's writings. I obtained the German original of this translation from Ernst Barnacol's publication entitled Das Indecte Christinum Eim Vermeers, in which Barnacol salvaged Christianity exposed, and that's spelled D-A-S-E-N-T-D-E-C-K-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-T-U-M-I-M-V-O-R-M-E, accent A-R-Z. From obscurity and provided a history of the book from Johann Inman's Grundes der Edition der Philosophie, spelled G-R-U-N-D-R-I-S-S-D-E-R-G-E-S-C-H-I-C-H-T-E-D-E-R-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-I-E, Berlin, in 1866. According to Inman, one copy of Bauer's ill-fated book was saved from confiscation and destruction by the police in 1843. We read confirmation from the periodical Our Charmin Zeitung, spelled A-L-L-G-E-M-E-I-N-E, Z-E-I-T-U-N-G, 1882, that this book was printed in 1843 and was immediately confiscated in Zurich. Although there was some doubt about this account, Bonacall concludes it is correct in its essentials. Bauer's Christianity Exposed was confiscated on July 19, 1843 for political reasons in Zurich and page 19. Publisher Frobel, F-R-O-E-B-E-L, was sentenced to prison. Barnacol evidently believed that Erdman had read the one remaining printed copy. Barnacol did not obtain the printed copy. Rather, he 
discovered a handwritten copy in the Berlin State Library. According to documents in the year 1914, the manuscript was brought by the Royal Library, bought by the Royal Library in 1911 from a private party who bought it from an antiquarian bookshop in Hanover in 1907. Since Bauer's brother Edgar died in Hanover in 1886, some have speculated that the manuscript was from his estate. Yet Barnacle sought to confirm the original text of the copyist's work. And in Barnacle's formal analysis, various indications in the copy suggest that the copyist had copied a printed edition. Barnacle implies that the printed version described by Inman was the authentic work of Bruno Bauer and that the handwritten copy he discovered in 1914 was a handwritten copy of that same printed edition. However, since Prussian police confiscated the book almost immediately after it left the printers for distribution, questions arise about Barnacle's copy. For example, chapter 18 is entitled Materialism. And it is obviously a one-sided advocacy of materialism. Yet, three years after Christianity Exposed was published, Karl Marx used his wit in the book entitled The German Ideology to vilify Bruno Bauer as a crass, subjective idealist to be contrasted with himself, a historical materialist. So Ernst Barnacol presents us with a puzzle in this manuscript where any type of idealist right and advocacy of materialism would Marx charge Bauer with idealism in 1845 if Bauer had written an advocacy of materialism in 1843 we may just the question whether this chapter was written by Bauer because our copy of Bauer's Christianity Exposed was rescued from the underground after more than 60 years of Marxist ideological expansion as an anti-Christian, anti-establishment document. It is at least possible that this chapter was redacted by page 20. Marxist writers who sought to promote Marxist materialism, it seems to me to be out of place in the book, and I think we have Marx himself as our witness. After this book was confiscated by police, its publisher imprisoned, and its author banned, we must not be surprised that it was distributed underground and became an inspiration to underground tendencies, such as Nietzsche's famous, if much more bombastic, The Antichrist. Yet Bauer's text is a contradiction because while the English reader might expect a radical assault on Christian theology on the order of Nietzsche's The Antichrist, actually the book is mild by modern standards. It may amuse us today that Christianity Exposed was considered radical to Bauer's contemporaries since it is largely a review of the writings of an 18th century liberal theologian Johann Christian Edelman, 1698-1767, who wrote several books in the 1700s, 
that protested the narrow sects of fundamentalism in his own day. Bauer may have perceived Edelman as a kindred spirit in his faith. Edelman was also censored. His writings were burned. He was rejected by society and became an outcast. Yet, he continued to write. Edelman's books include Innocent Truth, 1724, Moses with Veiled Vision, 1740, Christ and Belial, 1741, The Godliness of Truth, 1742, and Confession of Faith, 1746. Edelman's Enlightenment era writings have a characteristic humor and common sense that also reflect upon Bauer's taste and choice of model. Much of the text of the present volume consists of quotations from Edelman, as well as quotations from French Enlightenment authors. For example, De la Serres, Examen de la Religion, and that's D-E-L-A, S-E-R-E-S, book entitled E-X-A-M-E-N-D-E-L-A-R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N, and Bollanger, B-O-U-L-A-N-G-E-R, book entitled Christianisme Divoé, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-I-S-M-E, D E accent V O I L E accent. The current edition does not further research Bauer's 18th century sources. We'll leave that to a subsequent study. Page 21. It is perhaps deliciously ironic that a review of an old theologian would cause a Prussian government reaction in 1843. Banned as one of the most dangerous books of its day, this book is no passionate act of terrorism. It is calm, well-reasoned, and may be viewed as a spoof of specific sectarian beliefs rather than a rejection of all sects of Christianity. Bauer's writing is a polemic against unreflective sects, and this is S-E-C-T-S, that passed as mainstream Christianity for too long and assumed the highest power in Prussia. These sects succeeded in denying to Bauer his destiny once so close within his reach, his destiny to succeed Hegel. Bauer's Hegelian thinking is evident throughout much of this volume. We may consider that Hegel's theology ultimately represents the ideology that the Prussian government found to be dangerous in 1843. Bauer, from his earlier to his late writings, always showed at least some fealty to the ideas of his great mentor, whose theology still challenges traditional views, so we cannot be surprised to see that Bauer's major works remain to be translated into English down to this day. Perhaps Bauer might have been a prolific, as prolific a writer as Hegel if he had been allowed to keep his office, and then we might 
have seen the true successor to Hegel. Yet, he was attacked on so many fronts in his short teaching career that he barely got started before he was reduced to defending himself before a hostile faculty for years until he was banned. Here is an academic tragedy. Bauer's unpretentiousness critique, unpretentious critique is finally available to the English reader after more than 150 years. It may not shock us today the way it shocked the Prussian population in 1843, but it still has vitality and charm, and it will probably be of interest to historians and scholars in a wide variety of disciplines. As I submit this edition to publication, I wish to thank the staff of the publishing firm Sienta Verleg Elan Germany, S C I E N T A V E R L A G A A L E N Germany, who graciously permitted us to use Ernst Barkenal's Das Indecte, Christian Von in Lorraine, Bruno Bauer's Comp, Gegen Religion, spelled K A M P H G E G E N. Religion, UND und Christentum und Erstausgabe seiner Kampfschrift, E R S T A U S G A B E C E I N E R K A M P H S C H R I F T, which contains page twenty two. The German language, original of Christianity Exposed, that we have translated in the present volume. I also wish to warmly thank my translators, Jutta Orenshire, and that's J-U-T-T-A-H-O-E-R-N-S-C-H-M-E-R-Y-E-R, Ham, H-A-M-M, and Esther Ziegler. Their continual comments about language, citations, nuances were indispensable in my editing project. Any errors in the editing of this first edition belong entirely to myself. I now commit these writings from Bruno Bauer into your hands. I trust you will be pleased by this brief journey into the history of Bruno Bauer as I am. Signed, Paul Trejo, June 2001. Page one of the actual book text. Bold heading. Author's introduction. Actually, we're going to stop there.